Welcome to Cat Ladies in the Making with me, Christina. And me, Christina. We'll be discussing our experiences surrounding fitting in or not, female topics, health, and everything in between. Why, Cat Ladies? Stay tuned to find out. Welcome back to Cat Ladies in the Making. This month we're talking about eating disorders um, because it was Eating Disorder Awareness Week from the 28th of Feb to the 6th of March. And to start off with something light, Christina, anything happened to you in the past month? Yes, uh, I decided that I'm going to give it a go with the long nails. And I got the glue-on nails and... Not only do they look ridiculous, but they also fall off very quickly. (laughs) Earlier I was thinking, why are your nails painted on that side and not that side? So Christina has like seven nails (laughs) with colour on them and the rest not. Yes, but through this process I've actually come to appreciate women with long nails a lot more because for what they can do. In daily life because everything actually t- took me I mean they were really long I shortened them all um, <laughs> they don't look like the ones you sent me these are like pretty standard nails people <laughs> yeah not these these I had to shorten them because actually I could not do anything at all like everything took me fucking forever so and did you find when you typed on the keyboard yeah, yeah. It's like a problem. Would, yeah, pressing more buttons than you, you usually yeah, do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, or typing on the phone. <laughs> the worst. I can't even get to the to the phone because the nail's in the way. It's very strange, yeah. Like, my whole mechanics are not made out for having nails. So when I push a button, I push it completely differently to a person with nails. Long nails aren't for you? No. I like long nails, but I'm not. I don't wear fake ones. Anyway, anything that happened to you recently? I I think this is one of those you had to be there. But basically, I went to great K- for podcast. I know. <laughs> we'll see how it goes down. I went to K Tray last week. You know, yeah. which is an amazing Vietnamese restaurant. And obviously, as you know, I've been trying to like build my strengths yeah. up. And we get to the restaurant. And I was like trying to push this door open like with all my might and I just couldn't <laughs> open it. Pulled on. And then this guy shouted over and he was like, you have to pull it. And then so literally I just like pulling it with all my might. You know when you're like leaning back? Yeah. And I still couldn't fucking open it. Really? Yeah. And then Sophia came along and yanked it over. Like it was nothing. And I was like, what the hell has happened to my arms? There's nothing. Yeah. Oh, you shouldn't have said that to me. I know, I, I was really embarrassed. And then when I left, <laughs> he was like, oh, let me open the door for you. I was like, no, shut it. I want to op- yeah. try and open it. And it took me... <laughs> I, just, I, I found it really difficult. Well, either you weigh nothing, because <laughs> if your whole body couldn't <laughs> pull it Literally, open. My heart, I was straining to open it. Oh, God. Yeah. And that must have been embarrassing. It was embarrassing. <laughs> I literally was like, yeah, I've started going to the gym. <laughs> embarrassing for me as well. Like, yeah, got this uh, friend of mine who's doing my program. Can't even open a fucking door. Yeah. It was bad. But yeah, I thought I'd share that one with you. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And now time for shit to get really serious. Yes. 
So, yeah, we're talking about eating disorders. And I guess my first kind of question to you would but, be... Wait a minute. Before we go into questions, can we just say, uh, I just looked it up how many people are suffering from one. So it's uh, 1.25 million in the UK, uh, and most of them in secret. That's also very important to say. That so that figure might be a lot bigger. I mean, I don't know if that includes the people in secret because of how can it, if, you know, if no one knows about Does it. Does it give any insight into men and women? No, it doesn't. I think there's, in, but I don't know where I read this, increasingly more men also have it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a myth that it just is something that women suffer from. Yeah. Because also the breadth of different eating disorders that there are. Does it say what is the highest? It says the highest mortality rate is anorexia. That has the highest mortality rate. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Okay. But now, ready for questions. Okay. Well, I was just going to start with a very simple one of... At what age did you realise you had an issue with food or your weight? That's a good question because um, I don't... Um, I think it was around 14, 15 when the eating disorder developed, but I don't know if it was... I don't think it, for me it wasn't an issue with my weight necessarily or food, if that makes sense. So for me it was a a different issue that manifested itself in an eating disorder what was the issue i think the issue was if only i knew (laughs) (laughs) um i think the issue might have been uh something to do with control you know and feeling in control of Mm -hmm. something and it had less to do with the weight itself it could have manifested itself in alcohol, in whatever shape or form, um, but it happened to be an eating disorder. Yeah. Why do you think it manifested it in that way? I think it was probably because it was one of the things I, at that time, had full control over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there was no one there to check my food or and also maybe because I am um I am a foodie and it's usually uh, I heard that on the uh, on the program about eating disorders but usually when you speak to people with an eating disorder disorder they are a massive foodie Mm. they actually love food Mm. yeah but I think that might be a reason so this was when you were living away right yeah Exactly. And then how long do you think it took for people to kind of... Well, did anyone around you realise there was an issue? Uh, When I was away? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, my host parents and other host parents, it was pretty apparent. Yeah, they all uh, noticed. And then obviously when I came back as well. Yeah. 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 But what about you? Um, What was your experience with eating disorders? As in, I know you had had one but I don't know when what age I was 15 or 16 it kind of was around yeah my GCSEs Mm -hmm. and then I I started I was doing um, drama Mm -hmm. and there was this book called well a play called Hard to Swallow and it was based on this real life 
woman called Catherine Dunbar. She died at the 13 of anorexia. Mm-hmm. So it was a play around that. And I got picked to play the main part. So then I started like looking, obviously like doing research. And I found all these like pro-anorexia websites. Oh yeah, I remember those, yeah. So there's like all of these girls and boys sometimes um, writing in about what they've eaten, what they haven't eaten, how much mm-hmm. exercise they've done, the lies they've told. Oh, drink peppermint tea to get rid of your hunger pangs. Or not hunger pangs of your of pain yeah and then I think I just started like looking at my parent like my family's relationship with food and weight and it wasn't great because like every time we were around the dinner table it's always like talking about diets and it was Mm. oh it's red pepper day oh it's this amount of points oh I can't eat carbs yeah and my dad was has always like been into his exercise my older sister was going to the gym and my mum was like doing zumba and circuit training and yet they were still all overweight mm-hmm. and I kind of think I was like actually maybe you know it's not the exercise it's the amount they're eating yeah so then I just kind of thought okay maybe I should try and eat a smaller amount like a healthy amount because you know we fell into the whole typical Greeks of we eat a lot of food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we do, like, even now we still eat too much. So I think I started with that of let me just eat less. Mm-hmm. And then I just, I think, I think eating disorders is a bit like an addiction. Like yeah. you get really addicted to it and you lose a bit of weight and you think you feel great. And you're yeah. like, oh, I love my body, but I could be skinnier. And so then you just continue with it. Mm-hmm. And I think as well, like, I think, yeah, my main fear was getting fat because also, like, I was always seen as the skinny one in the family. Like, it was always, oh, you're so skinny. You're so lucky to be so skinny. I wish mm-hmm. I had your figure. But I'd be so embarrassed, like, even now, if someone was to say, oh, do you remember when you used to be skinny? You've put on so much weight. Like, that I see, would yeah. be... That's the kind of fear for me. Yeah. And then do you think that that the fact that you had to play the lead in that drama, mm-hmm. um, do you think that was a trigger? Do you think that it would have happened even if you hadn't played the lead or hadn't been, come across that? Do you think that was a real turning yes. point? Yeah. Well, I think it just made me reflect a yeah. lot on and made me kind of yeah observe my like what I was actually eating I don't really know if I ever questioned it before yeah I just always thought okay I'm skinny and the, the food I eat doesn't affect me but then I thought oh god what if because you always yeah. know people as well where they're like I used to be a size 8 and now in the last two years I've gained all this weight and now I'm a size 16 and you're like yeah. how how is how has that happened? So I think I had that fear. So was were there a lot of people like that around you at the time, potentially? Because it's also the puberty thing. So people usually put on a little bit of weight around them. Maybe they come on the pill, you know. I think it was... I Generally, I think quite a lot of, of my family and friends were overweight. And yeah. everyone was unhappy with their body. Every one of them was... Yeah saying oh I need to lose weight I'm so disgusting look at my belly Mm. I need to cut out this I need to go to the gym more I need to I need I need yeah so I just kind of learned that fat was a bad thing 
so then why would I ever want to get fat? Mm. And people always want to be skinny. And again, it's always a compliment, isn't it? If someone tells you you've lost weight, people are like, oh my God, thank you. Yeah, until it becomes too much. Yeah. Well, actually, I always took it as a compliment. I always took it. If someone said to me, oh my God, you look too skinny. Yeah. I was like, thanks. Because for me, it was it meant I was hitting my goal. Yeah. So when, when you were your skinniest, so how... Okay, how long did that whole period last for you from start to finish? Oh, God. I don't know. I, I, it definitely was in my GCSEs, but I remember I got to um, A-level, so that would have been when I was 18, but I don't know when it completely stopped. And I remember then, I think I, I was at my skinniest, and I was. I would always ask my friend Bradley... I'd always be like, are oh, my legs skinnier than hers? <laughs> like, as a comparison. Yeah. So I don't know what age it stopped, but I'd say maybe three or four years. Yeah. Yeah, what about you? How long do you think it lasted? Um, it depends. Maybe we should also say at this point what the eating disorders were as well. Because... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Well, mine started with basically starving myself yeah so anorexia but then i moved on to making myself sick so i was then bulimic and i used to take laxatives yeah what about you so mine was anorexia and then i also took laxatives at some point later on um but yeah so that's uh, important because for me the the severe period didn't last that long so I think it was uh it couldn't because I would have died probably <laughs> you yeah. know if it lasts too long you die uh, that's the yeah. yeah that's how it goes um so the severe period was probably a couple of years mm-hmm. and then the aftermath yeah. that took years and years as well because even if I think back now to the point where I was you know I was eating mm-hmm. but I was in no shape or form eating like a normal person still. I remember me and you going ragamummers and you ordering just a bowl of rice, yes. side rice. And I was like, and kimchi. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, is that all you're eating? And yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay. And, and I think you were like, oh, I don't really like restaurant food. I don't really like eating yeah. out. Yeah, so definitely yeah, took that. years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say it took a good 10 years yeah or even a bit longer to fully enjoy food again and how do you think well what was yeah so there's so many questions (laughs) first of all what was your lowest weight yeah um my lowest weight in kg was 37 that is five stone eight five stone eight (laughs) yes that was my lowest weight. That's tiny. I think that, um, yeah, I think around there, oh if not a bit lower. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, you put me to shame. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but then I'm, in general, I'm quite a lightweight person anyway. I mean, right now I only weigh 10 kg more. What's that about? <laughs> uh, 47 is 7 stone 4. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we're very different. 
I'm just a very, you know, some people are naturally heavier and other people are naturally a lot lighter. So I'm naturally a lot lighter, lighter anyway. But yeah, my lowest weight was 30, around 37 kg. What about you? Oh, my lowest weight, which doesn't sound low at all now, <laughs> was 7 stone 2. But now I'm 8 stone 45, yeah. 10. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I got to 7 stone 2, my next goal was 6 stone 10. Don't ask me why I jumped from 7. I was just like, fuck it, let's not hit 7. Let's just go straight to the 6. Um, yeah, but even now, like, I can't. I don't think I, like, in my head, I just don't think I was that skinny. Yeah. Because I know that is like a stone and a bit, or oh, and a half, smaller than I was. Yeah. Now. But I can't imagine, like, my legs being that way. But mm-hmm. in my head, I'm like, oh, I was never skinny. Like, I still don't see it. And I think, I think people do get body dysmorphia, which is when you have a distorted view of your body. Yeah. And you just, you can't see it. Definitely. I think at that point, um, if you, I mean, for your height as well, because you're a little bit taller than me, um, if you're that weight and you can't see that you're skinny, you're yeah. not seeing the truth, basically. Yeah. I didn't think I was fat. I just didn't. Think you didn't was... think that you were that skinny. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think I was that skinny, but I obviously was that skinny. <laughs> you were skinny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then yeah how what made you what was your changing point yeah that's an interesting um question my changing point that there was so much uh stuff going on um with obviously because i was that low of a weight there was also the pressure from my family at the time that if you don't put on weight you know we'll have to do something i like put you in like hospitalized well no they didn't go that far my dad basically said if you don't put on that amount of weight then um i think i wasn't able to see my boyfriend who was living in london at the time it was something like that i think um and that i don't think that was the changing point and i don't know when the changing point came exactly but i think that a big um part of it was that my friends started going behind my back to my teachers about it and I think that was I felt very betrayed and I think that was a changing point really that I needed as well because you could see that they also were worried and actually because oh if my friends are yeah for them to to go behind my back like this this is I think that made me think okay that's a pretty big deal because parents I think they can be quite um dramatic with certain things i'm like yeah well you know um they're just worried but if friends go to that length then i'm like yeah okay something's something's wrong and when you started to try and get back into like healthy eating habits what what was like keeping you because there's always that kind of weird in between Mm -hmm. so what would like your set, would there be any setbacks where you kind of fall back into old behaviours? I feel like I've only managed very recently to fall out of that. I feel like my whole, I didn't have like the set setbacks so much, but I never really, for, for so long I didn't get out of it properly. That's the main thing. I think I thought that I was healthy, 
but I wasn't. So I, uh, for me, it was an education. Mm-hmm. So as as soon as I became more educated about nutrition, I understood how the body works and all of that. That really helped me then be like, okay, yeah, what I'm doing is rubbish. So do you think if like 10 years ago you had that education, it would have been different? Yes, I think so, probably. Yeah, if I'd fallen into that a bit earlier, mm-hmm. fitness, nutrition, then I think it, I would have gotten out of that stupid eating disorder earlier, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what about what about you? Did your family ever um, go to the extremes that my family went to, like that they said you have to put on weight, if not, then you can't do this? No, but we did... Me and my mum argued about food all the time. In what just, way? Oh, because we'd, we'd sit down for dinner and I'd refuse to eat. Or I'd be like, I've already eaten. I'm going to have Alpen. I used to eat Alpen, this cereal, all the time. For some reason, I loved it. Yeah. So I was just like, I'm going to eat a bowl of Alpen for dinner. And she'd be like, no, you need to eat some proper food. And I was like, no, I'm not that hungry. Or I've got a stomachache, I feel sick. All of those stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember going to the doctors at one point and her saying, oh, she's lost loads of weight. And again, I was just like, yeah, but I've just had a stomachache and I've been feeling sick. Mm -hmm. I can't eat when I feel like that. And what did the doctor say? I can't even remember, but it wasn't like, oh, you have to go to hospital. (laughs) Uh, That is actually a big thing because I don't know if you read it, but recently the NHS doctors were um, called out about... Unless you hit a certain BMI, they won't see it as an eating disorder, even though you can have a very high BMI as well, for example, and have an eating disorder. Well, this is the thing, right? Because no one wakes up anorexic. Like, I I don't really feel comfortable to say, oh, I was anorexic, because I'm like, again, in my head, I'm like, I wasn't skinny enough. But it's not about the weight. It's about the mentality. And the problem is, is... By the time people realise there's a problem, it's a really fucking huge problem. Yeah, exactly. So like, you're you've been lying for so long, and you're like, you've just you know you've played it really well, basically. Yeah. You've concealed the secret, but your body's and showing like, oh hey, there's an issue here. Yeah. But by that point, you're like too far down the rabbit hole. Yeah. But yeah, I think I wasn't my BMI wasn't that low for him to say you need to Mm -hmm. do x yeah so yeah it was just constant arguments and then I think that's why I kind of changed to to bulimia because I thought okay I'll eat but then I'll get rid of it like yeah so we'll stop having arguments and then I think they caught on to it because there were a few times I'd come out of the toilet and they were outside and I was like oh they didn't agree with me (laughs) (laughs) oh I feel really sick (laughs) And then I, that's when I then turned to laxatives because I thought, okay, if they're going to be checking on me after dinner, mm-hmm. if I'm going to the bathroom, I'll take laxatives before bed and whilst everyone's asleep, I'll yeah. be going to the toilet. Yeah. And, okay, that must have been a t- turning point as well for you. Yes. What was it? Oh, it's like, oh, it's it was very personal, but I had this very, very vivid dream. Mm-hmm. So I, in this dream, there was these women who basically looked like ballerinas, very tall, very slim. And then they were like round fountain. 
and they were like waving at me to come and join them. And I remember very clearly that they'd be in this line. So I started walking towards them. And as I did, I something made me look round. Mm-hmm. And so then I looked back and then it was like I could see my mum coming into my bedroom and like coming to wake me up. And as she came to wake me up, she like felt my face and I was stone cold because I'd died. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then I pictured my mum's, like my friend's mum. So a friend of mine died when she was 10 mm-hmm. from a brain tumour. So then I pictured her mum like crying mm-hmm. at my friend's grave. And then I woke up and then I was like, you're so stupid. <laughs> like your friend died of a brain tumour. She had absolutely no control over it. You can control this. Like you can't yeah. die. We're fucking eating disorder, like, yeah. What, like, what a waste. Yeah, and that's kind of when it turned. Wow, that's a pretty like lucky dream to have in a way. Yeah, I sometimes do have really like vivid dreams. Yeah, I'm like, oh, okay, this is a message. Amazing. <laughs> Wake up. Basically. And then your your way to recovery. How was that? Uh, I think I tried to go to extreme where I thought, I'm not going to wear myself, let me just eat. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I was doing some bridal modeling at the time, mm-hmm. and it had been like three or four weeks from the fit into the show, and then one of the dresses wouldn't zip up, mm-hmm. and the lady was like, what have you been eating? And I was like, oh my God. And I went home, and I put on like 10 pounds. And I, I freaked out. And then I was like, right, I need to go and buy some double strong laxatives. I can't eat too much. Because I thought, oh, my God, I've just gained all this weight in such a short space of time. Like, that whole fear of, yeah, gaining a lot of weight, it, it was, like, coming true. So that was a big setback. Yeah. And you can't, you can't just shy off. Yeah. You have the voice to say, why are you eating that, like? Yeah. You're going to put on so much weight. You're going to get fat. So that was a setback. And then you had to, and then you tried to lose weight again. Yeah. Oh, I lost it. Okay. Yeah. So for me, I, I, I was never allowed to go over the nine stone mark. Because that time when I weighed myself, I was eight ten, which was the biggest I'd ever been. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was like a red flag. Like you're never allowed to go over this. And so even now, like, I've never hit nine stone, which I know to a lot of people is, that would be their goal. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, for other people, like, you would be like, oh, my God, even, like, seven and a half stone would be too much. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, everyone has, you all have your own rules and regulations in your head. Yeah. But I don't know how I would ever feel, like, once I hit the nine stone. I, I think I would be fine. But, you know, sometimes when you're like, it was just all, it's always been off limits to me. Yeah. So yeah, I think I just stopped weighing myself all the time and it would be like, okay, let me do it once a week. Mm-hmm. Let me just try and eat more, but, you know, smaller portions, eat healthier. I used to carry celery sticks around with me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like even when we went to uni, like to visit oh, the friends at uni, I'd always take celery sticks with me to be like, let me just chew on some celery sticks. Because you're meant to burn more calories, like burning them off rather than eating them. <laughs> so yeah, I just, I don't know. You have certain setbacks. Yeah. But I when think you... if there's ever clothes that feel tight, mm-hmm. to me that's 
okay, yeah, lose lose weight, do something about it. But when uh, when do you think that you truly got over it, or are there still times when you still feel it? I would say I'm over it. I do still have a, a major issue with butter. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very common. Oh. Such like little things like that you absolutely. I, I for years I had no oil, no butter, nothing. Oh, really? For years. Yeah, oil. I'm I'm better with, but even now, like if I see my mum cooking, I'm like, oh my god, there's so much oil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but butter, like, I just find it disgusting how much people put on things, yeah. and so a lot of the time. I'll just be like, no, 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 I'll, I'll butter my own jacket potato or whatever. But every so often I'm like, okay, yeah, you do it, just a smidgen. But I always end up like scraping it off on the plate. Like I just can't, I can't eat too much butter, I can't do it. And there's this Greek dish that I really want my mum to teach me. Mm-hmm. But I've seen her make it and I see how much she butter? puts a shitload of butter and cream. And I'm like, I can't make this because if I know how much is going in there, I won't be able to You eat can't it. eat a single cake then? That's all butter. Yeah, but I don't know about this. Like, I think when you <laughs> see it, like yeah, 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 a blob, like melting, yeah. I just have to get rid of it. That and I think just I never like to feel forced into eating food. So you know how like our Christmas podcast, I said I'd rather give up something I love than yeah. be like eat something I hate. And I think that's because for quite a long time it was very much a question of is this worth the calories. Because yes. you're eating so, so much, like so limited amount, such a limited amount. There was no way I was going to eat something I hated. Right. Yeah. So I'm not doing that. And even now, like with my protein goal, if it gets to a certain time and I'm full, and I haven't hit a protein goal, like I can't force myself to eat something just to hit the goal because to me that's I'm I'm being forced to do something that I don't actually I don't want it I'm not hungry yeah why are you eating it yeah and any guilt around food you know when people are like I bought this for you and now it's going off so you should eat it I'm not eating it I didn't yeah. ask you to buy it for me don't buy it it's going in the bin yeah I, I yeah guilt is not I'm not being guilt tripped to eating food that's interesting I'm not either but that's I think more like because my mum never forced me to eat anything like yeah, I, I never finished anything those arguments go, it goes back to all the arguments of you have to eat yeah definitely yeah um, what about with you what are there triggers now um no now I don't think so so much but for a long time I I never had a scale so mm. As in, of course, there was a scale when I was living at home. But as soon as I moved to London, I never had a scale. So I didn't have a scale for 10 years. Wow. I lived without a scale. So for me, at that point, the trigger was always a pair of pants. Mm, Okay. So one that I would keep that was very small. And then once in a while. What size? Like, I can't remember because I don't have them anymore. Oh, you got rid of them. That's good. Yeah, I got rid of all my stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, so because that I think that was um, a trigger point for me. Um, can I fit into those? You're comparing not to yourself. Ridiculous. So I got rid of them, and I have no issue stepping on the scale. 
Um, and I don't think that was a trigger ever for me anyway, because as I was, when I was losing weight the most uh, in my big, like in my anorexic prime phase, I never had a scale. Yeah, I had no scale at my disposal, so that never became a trigger. And how long ago did you throw away the clothes? Five years ago, maybe. No, you have done some quite a while then. Yeah, I mean, all this time, I mean, you still know uh, me as weird eater. So, <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, and when James and I first met, there were definitely times when I, yeah, I'll have some, but I don't want anything on it. And... Have some what? Have some whatever. Like have some... Toast. Toast, pasta, whatever it is. But I don't want the sauce or salad. I don't want the dressing or, you know, it, it, all of these things. Um, and I, actually, I wasn't calorie counting ever either. Mm-hmm. My go-to, my, I, my, my, my thing was so strange. So when it might, in my prime, <laughs> I would go all day usually without eating. I would then go out uh, with some friends in Hong Kong. We would drink. I'd have one ice cream uh, from McDonald's. Um, and I would come home, have um, one apple and sometimes one sort of like instant noodle thing. That's it. All day. Every day. Wow. Yeah. So there was a, a very little food for me. Yeah. Um, and really shit <laughs> and really shit food yeah, that's, yeah I think right. that's key like you tried to sort of like go your approach maybe that's why it didn't take you as long was to go like the healthy let me try and get a few more like more meals and healthier and the celery sticks and all that I didn't do that I was just plain stupid I was like I'm gonna have one hot chocolate and one chocolate bar all day <laughs> <laughs> and so you still pick things you like <laughs> Yeah, I did pick things. It's true. But um, in a way, I really, that was really unhealthy. Yeah. Like really unhealthy. Yeah. And what was the most extreme thing you did to like stop people from kind of realizing there was such a problem or like the most extreme thing you did to lose weight? Like, apart from not eating, yeah. uh, <laughs> no, but I think the, not ex- maybe not extreme, but the one that it's probably the most amusing is that when I got back home from Hong Kong and my dad then said, we need to do something. He then had this genius idea of getting these drinks that were like refeeding drinks. So they had like 250 calories in each bottle and he got them, what a waste of money actually. So he got them in all kinds of flavors, vanilla and and strawberry and chocolate. And he's like, okay, you have one in the morning and they have one at lunchtime and they have one in the evening. And I was like, yeah, great. I'll take them all to school with me, down the loo. Yeah. (laughs) Immediately, my first trip was going to the loo. It smelled awful. I always was there like really early because the loo would smell like this weird mixture of like strawberry vanilla. <laughs> Neapolitan. Yeah, and I got to different loos as well to mix it up. Really? Yeah. Why? Just so, that, just to, so no one can be suspicious that it might be me. Oh my God. Um, yeah. What about you? Oh god, I mine it was okay. Mine was there just to like give the illusion that I was eating and to prevent an argument from happening. Yeah. 
So I used to go in the morning, get a bowl, get a spoon, mm-hmm. put a couple of Cheerios or Frosties or whatever cereal in the bowl, a tiny bit of milk, and then put it in the sink, and then sometimes leave the box out. So then for all <laughs> intents and purposes, anyone who came downstairs was saying, okay, she's eating a bowl of cereal. Yeah, yeah. That's what I did. Because no one's going to think, oh, she's <laughs> purposely put this here and like placed it to make us think she's eaten. Who would think such a thing? Who would do such a thing? Yeah, but those are the, those are the extremes you go to. Like, yeah. You, you become clever in a way. Like You're just like, actually, this is the way around it, right? Yeah. And, you know, you go to a friend's house and they say, oh, are you, are you eating here? And you'd be like, oh, no, my mum's made my favourites. I'm going to eat when they get home. When you get home, oh, yeah, Sophia's mum made pasta bake. I ate there. And no parent is ever going to call another parent and say, hey, did my kid eat at your house? Unless you can see that there's a problem. But I yeah. by that point. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So I've got, um, this is an interesting one for me because obviously we were, you already said that it was that play and that you went on those pro anorexia sites and stuff. So would you blame the media for your eating disorder? No, but I do think it kind of reiterated to me that it was okay to be that skinny. Yeah. Because at the time it was size zero, size zero, size zero. And there was all these pictures of, you know, celebrities being really small. So I think for me, I was just like, yeah, like it's okay for me to be this skinny because they're that skinny. Yeah. But I don't think it, I don't think I ever thought I want to look like them or I need to lose weight so that I can fit into this. Because, like, now, you know, big bums are a big thing. I don't want a big bum. Yeah. Like, you can push everything you want at me to say, hey, Kirby's great. Yeah, fine. Like, I'm happy with my figure, but I don't want really, a really big bum. Yeah. Like, or really big whatever. Yeah. So, for me, it wasn't a thing. What about for you? Um, I think similar approach. Like, I... I feel like it definitely didn't surpass me that it was in the media. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I there was this new study I read about. They had like a breakthrough with um, looking at uh, people with eating disorders and their DNA. So first of all, they all share similar DNA to people with like depression, compulsive disorder, you know. So that's, that's something that, that's in the, in the DNA already. Mm-hmm. And then they also... I don't know, people can read it on The Guardian. I didn't read the whole thing, but there's a new... <laughs> it was too boring. <laughs> it was too boring. It was too long. Um, I didn't have time. Uh, all the excuses. No, but there's an, another bit of research that particularly looks at the metabolism. So that there also is a difference in metabolism with people with eating disorders. So c- compared to the control. Um, so the fact that that means basically that it's... Of course, it's gonna. It's 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 still a mental illness, mm-hmm. and uh, shaped by your upbringing, environment, and everything else. But also, there's a component that is out of your control because it's in your genetics, and it's also in your metabolism. Mm. So, that you, people are arguing that you need to start looking at eating disorders in a slightly different way, as opposed to just you know like a mental illness. Well. That kind of makes sense because, you know, when, say, for example, you get someone who's, like, morbidly obese, mm-hmm. you look into there and quite often it's like, oh, actually, it's 
something to do with their DNA and yeah. metabolism and everything. So that would make sense for it to work the same, but for the other way around. Yeah. And actually, we've only spoken about anorexia and bulimia, and but there are so many eating disorders. And I think that I obviously speak to a lot of people about their diet and stuff. Yeah. And I'd say that a lot of people have something that is disordered eating. Mm-hmm. So they eat like a child or they eat, you know, they eat in a weird manner that isn't really what you would expect a healthy adult individual to eat like. And I think that's also being slightly ignored that a lot of people just, you know, have these weird eating habits that could be described as disordered eating as well. What is the most like disordered eating that you've seen? So I think from a disordered point of view, Mm -hmm. I have seen once that um, someone was saying they can't eat chocolate because if they eat it, they will eat loads of it. So they have to cut it out completely, for example. So that's a disordered eating because there's no problem, even on on a diet, for example, to have one piece of chocolate a day. It's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. Um, And that sort of behavior, that black and white, Either you have it or you don't have it at all. That's super disorderly to me. What advice would you give people that are currently in the situation you were in? And what advice would you give the parents or guardians? That's very difficult because I truly believe unless they want to get better, they're not going to get better. Mm -hmm. So the guardians and parents shouldn't push them into recovery. They should just be there and be non-judgmental. Because when someone is ready to get recovery, they will. But what about for those people, like you said, it's like anorexia is the highest mortality. So I guess parents' fear is that their kid or adult is going to die from it. Yeah, I think, yeah, okay. I know what you mean. So I think that... The aggress- aggressive route doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Maybe the compassionate and sad feeling, re- showing them how, you know, how sad they are, but also how supportive they are towards them could be a better one. That for me, at least that would have been a better solution, I think. I would have responded more to that than an aggressive, if you have to do something, your parents say you're never going to do it. Yeah. By default. So I think, but for the sufferer, there's nothing you can really advise because um, unless they want to get help, they're not going to get help. Mm-hmm. That's the problem, I think. Do you have any, any better advice? No, the only thing I would say, because uh, I remember um, like a friend of a friend, it was quite clear to me that she'd, she, was, she had an eating disorder. And um, I was on a night out with her and I was like, Oh, the two of us, who do you think is skinnier? And she was like, oh, you definitely. And there was no way, like, she was skinny, skinny, skinny. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, like, got my hand and, like, I put it round like, my arm, like, up here, like, mm-hmm. near my elbow, people. Yeah. And I was like, oh, look, like, I can't touch my thumb and my middle finger. Yeah. And then I did it on her arm and I was like, it completely touches, like, there's still room. And I said to her, you do it. Because I know, like, if someone had done that to me, I would have been like, oh, they're just not trying as hard. They're, like, holding their arm loose somewhere. 
And then she did it, and I think then it clicked. The ball dropped. Yeah, she's like, oh shit, I am, I am actually skinnier than yeah. I thought. And I think that would be helpful, but <laughs> you can't just go up to random people in the street and be like, do you mind if my daughter measures? <laughs> your thighs and your waist and your arms with her tape measure that she's got here ready you can't do that i think i do think yeah it is very much when the person wants to get better yeah it's a mentality thing and i think that i don't know how helpful it is to speaking with someone who's recovered because they tried that as well with me um to get me to speak to someone who used to have bulimia mm-hmm. and For me, again, because I didn't do it myself, but that's maybe it's just a personality trait. Um, I don't know. It just didn't do it for me. It just wasn't impactful enough. Mm. But maybe if different person, for a different person, it might, it might work. It might be the thing to talk to someone who's recovered, who's been in that same situation. Yeah. Who knows what you're going through? Because the one thing that definitely doesn't, that, that's definitely true. No one who hasn't had it knows what it's like. Oh, yeah, no. And so when you speak to someone like your parents or whatever, they have no idea. You're on a completely different planet. Yeah, yeah. It's so true. Yeah, because people, I think, just assume it's, it's just you want to be skinny. And yeah. That's it. And you're like, no, there's so much more to it. Yeah. And I think I used to always struggle when people would give me advice like on what to eat or <laughs> or exercise, but they were overweight. Because I, in my head, I was like, how dare you have the audacity to talk to me about my relationship <laughs> with food and yeah. weight and exercise? Like, yeah. when your yours clearly isn't working for you, like, it's, you're not a healthy weight. Yeah. So that was another big problem. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. Okay, we hope that this has shown you a little bit more about eating disorders and not just our experience because everyone's experience is different. Oh, There's yeah, 100%. No single, the same eating disorder. Um, yeah. And yeah, let's just bring it back to a lighter note. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a question for you. Go and ahead. that is, would you rather do a job where you love the actual work But you have to do it solo. So you've got no co-workers. You're on your own. Okay. But you love the actual the work you do. Okay. Or alternatively, you work with people you like, but you hate the actual job you're doing. Like really, really hate the, the actual work. That's a really difficult one for me because I, I love <laughs> being around people. I know. But I would I think I'd have to say, do a job I love with no one around because I know that I make plans to have a social life outside of work anyways. Yeah. I'm not saying it would be easy, but also depending on my work, I'd probably be like, guys, do you want to meet up in a coffee shop to work together or something? I don't know. But yeah, I think um, doing a job you hate is soul destroying. Yeah, I agree. And it's just, Every day, it's just not worth it, I don't think. Yeah. And no matter how many laughs you're going to get from co-workers, I don't think it would outweigh the negative of the work you hate. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, obviously. <laughs> I 
hate people <laughs> anyway. Hate people. <laughs> okay, my one is just a very silly one. Mm-hmm. If you had to, for the rest of your life, okay, drink lukewarm water or lukewarm coffee, which one would you choose? Coffee. Lukewarm coffee. Definitely. What yeah, about me you? too. <laughs> Did anyone say water? I haven't asked you. <laughs> okay, can people please vote? We really need to. We will put a poll up after this podcast, and yeah. you let us know, water or coffee? Coffee. I mean, oh, slash tea because I don't really drink coffee. So. Or tea. Yeah. yeah. I mean, coffee for me. It is always going to be lukewarm because I drink very slowly, so I'm very used to lukewarm <laughs> coffee. <laughs> but lukewarm water is disgusting. Yeah, I think there's nothing worse than lukewarm water. Yeah. Or actually, maybe one for people who drink beer because a lot of people are like, oh, lukewarm beer, disgusting. So maybe that will be another poll. Yeah. But they drink beer, not water. <laughs> 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 or you mean instead of the coffee? Yeah. Okay. No, water or beer. Lukewarm. Okay. Water or beer. Okay. For the rest of your life. Yeah. My final brainwave after all of this disordered eating topic is go and eat your next meal with no guilt whatsoever. Agreed. Guilt-free eating is top notch. Yeah, I do. I kind of think if you're going to have guilt over something, yeah, it's not worth doing. Agreed. In, in all aspects of life. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed this topic and we look forward to seeing you next month or hearing from us next month. <laughs>